<clears throat> Hello and welcome back to the Legendary Chiropractor Podcast. This is Season 17, Episode 10. Today we're going to be diving into something that uh, I have a lot of experience in. It's a lot of uh, just fun to play with, but movement. We're going to be diving into movement. We're going to be talking about different ways that the body can move, and we're going to be talking about those big six movements that are really important for the body to do in, in most basic uh, exercises you do no matter what you want to incorporate these so before we dive into that conversation let's hear from our amazing sponsors that allow this podcast to happen jane is an all-in-one practice management software with helpful tools like online booking admin scheduling integrated payment processing and charting but there's more to jane than you might think the team at jane cares a lot about the problems you face as a practitioner one of those problems is the prevalence of no-shows and late cancellations in practices. So they've made it easy for you with a few simple tools built right into Jane. That includes the ability to implement an online booking payment policy, send out unlimited text and email reminders, and enabling waitlist management features to fill those last-minute gaps that weren't preventable. Come see Jane in action at jane.app and use our code LEGENDARY to receive an entire month of offset billing. That's J-A-N-E dot A-P-P and promo code LEGENDARY at checkout. Total Clinic Solutions is your go-to source for purchasing both brand new and refurbished chiropractic equipment, as well as phone support for repairs and maintenance. Allow them to combine your wishes and their 23 years of chiropractic equipment expertise to find what's best for you and your patients by heading to TotalClinicSolutions.com and use promo code LEGENDARY for $100 off on qualifying table purchases. That's TotalClinicSolutions.com, promo code LEGENDARY for $100 off. And welcome back to season 17, episode 10. We're talking about movement today. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people train different ways. There's a lot of different ways to achieve your goals when it comes to exercise and movement. So um, there's a couple of, of fundamentals that you have to stick to. And if you stick to these six basic movements, then you will absolutely see success. You'll see progress. You'll see results. And we're gonna start with that first one. That is the hip hinge. Being able to hinge your hips backwards and really load your glutes, load your hamstrings, keep the tension in your low back, keep the core engaged, and being able to bring all of that into the tension of the, uh, the lats, pulling it into the shoulders, and just being able to really create tension in the body, but in that hinge state. And this is something, it's, it's gonna be, um, different because you want to squat. A lot of people want to just drop their butt really low, really fast, but that is not the goal here. The hinge, we want to push that butt back so we can get further glute and ham engagement, hamstring engagement, that we can keep the, the weight dispersed across the balls of our feet, which allow us to be able to hook into the ground and be able to have more stability and strength in our, our structure of how we're connecting to the ground. Um, some ways that you can train this is the founder's pose. Founder's pose is a phenomenal exercise that allows you to be able to hinge back, add that squat just a little bit, but really engage the upper extremities and the upper torso into the arms and keep that engaged in the hinge. The hinge is going to be able to protect you 
and it's going to be able to, to uh, keep you from injuring yourself, especially when you're doing cervicals and things like that, because a lot of times you have the tendency of leaning over and just dropping your head. Well, the idea is we want to keep a nice straight spine. That way we have good core structure and strength all the way from the base of our spine to the top. And then uh, that next movement is going to be the squat. Now, as we transition from the hinge to the squat, there's a little bit of a variation. That butt's going to go back in the hinge, just like in, uh, for the squat, but you're going to drop it down with the tension loaded in there. Uh, Bill Maida talks about taking your feet and toes out, neutral, toes out, neutral, toes out, neutral, and that allows you to load your hamstrings and your glutes, your adductors and your abductors, and really have full control in that position. Now, you might end up a little bit wider than your normal stance. I typically tell people uh, a good squat stance is shoulder width, feet no more than 30 degrees pointed out. If we can get them pointed straight, I would like to see them pointed straight, but based off of dural tension in the spine, hamstrings, uh, tightness, you know, piriformis, different things like that, people aren't going to be able to have that perfect form from the get-go. So being able to uh, train that hinge that then translates into a squat if we wanted to even add a resistance band in the hinge around our waist to be able to create some extra resistance that can help you work on your pelvic floor and help on uh, work on pelvic neutrality that'll allow you to have more uh, strength and structure in your core and your in your pelvic and your pelvic bowl that will ultimately allow you to as you transition into the squat and the mechanics of the squat, it's going to be able to stabilize and protect you through that movement that isn't going to compromise any position. So if we have compensation on one side versus the other, you're going to see that uh, one side likes to dip or drop in. You might have like a valgus or a varus fault at some point through the movement of the squat. And that could be uh, something that's in like the chain that's just not engaging properly or it's just a bad mechanic pattern that's built in the system that you got to get out of there. Now, squat, a couple ways that we can do this. Um, I don't recommend just grabbing a squat bar, loading your back. If you just load your, load your spine with no preparation and no due diligent um, um, technique, then you're going to hurt yourself because loading the spine requires you know, proper bracing and proper activation, connective tissue activation, fascial activation, different things like that. Um, a really great way to just initiate and get yourself into the squat just an air squat take your feet put them at a, a shoulder width distance and then work on the hinge work on dropping the butt low it doesn't have to be a full squat initially the idea is full range of motion with full time under tension we want to be able to contain and maintain the structure and the technique of the movement the entire pattern from the beginning to the end and a lot of people you'll see as a squat, they dump their weight and you can actually notice a point where um, they're not under tension anymore. And that's the point you want to train the most because that's where you're losing a lot of your strength and structure. So a couple of ways you can train the squat. You can put a box under your butt and you can squat, squat down, touch that box and come back up full extension. Now these are box squats. Uh, these are just really great for technique. I see a lot of people that train these and they'll put a lot of weight and they'll work on the box squat with weight. Um, that's entirely up to you. I'm not going to recommend either. I'm just going to say there are people that do that and they have specific training uh, methodologies that they're pursuing. That way they can gain strength or power based off of the needs of the athlete. Now, the hack squat. Hack squat is one of the most underrated squats. I feel like a lot of people don't look at these or do these. 
um, elevating your your feet and putting yourself at an angle on a, like a footboard. This is going to allow you to be able to engage the ankles, the anterior tibialis, posterior tibialis, and you're going to be able to engage the ankles and train the ankles in, in a bit of a compromised position. But really what we're doing is we're elevating the heel to allow the body to be able to um, access different muscle groups. And this can show up a lot of different ways. There's so many different variations of the squat. Ideally, we just want to work on that hinge to squat, getting that full range of motion down to 90 degrees or lower if you can get it. If you can't, that's okay. It's something that you can you can push towards. But uh, if you do struggle with the hinge and then try to transition to the squat, maybe just work on the transition points and just work on that engagement and keeping the tension. Then you can add a resistance band if you need to, uh, or you can even do the box squats. You can do hack squats. You can do, um, you know, a ton of different kinds of squats. The idea is make sure you're doing it right. Uh, I see so many people that just don't do it right and they sacrifice their spine they, they sacrifice their body. And the longevity of the, of the conversation is you're going to end up hurt. And that's not what the, the intention or the purpose of working out is going to be. So next we're going to move into the lunge. I love the lunge because uh, research shows a squat only activates one third of the posterior chain. A lunge activates all four quadrants. So you're going to have more activation in the legs and in the, the posterior chain, the anterior chain, as well as the sagittal plane. So you're going to have full contracted, uh, full contraction on the legs on both sides. I really like compass lunges. So if you think of a compass that has the 12 faces of a clock, just move in the patterns of 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and just left leg back, right leg forward, and then go around and just lunge into that position and just challenge yourself to different cha uh, different planes of motion. You know, incorporate different different movement patterns. So that way you're training yourself in different, um, different I guess, directions. You, you call it directions, but... The, the idea is the functional movement assessment is that we want to identify how the body's moving in that plane. And then we want to see if there's any fault isolation or correction that needs to be pursued in that direction. Now it's going to be good for side posture. It's going to be good for anteriors. It's going to be good for maybe even like just standard P to A thoracic adjustments. You know, you're going to be able to access a lot more power by training the lunge in different positions because it's going to allow you to be able to engage the system has stability and control in different ranges of motion that you may not have if you didn't train it prior. Now, a couple of ways to make the lunge more difficult and work better for you. You can elevate the foot in the front or the back. Uh, I like to use a BOSU ball. I'll typically start off with some type of pad or something just to create stability. My, my goal is stability and mobility whenever I train myself. I'm looking for the ability to have uh, strength and structure in, with the back foot elevated and then the front foot elevated and then I'll switch and I'll, I'll just go back and forth working on those. And it's really, I'm just looking for uh, time under tension. I'm looking for how my, my body is using that muscle activation. You know, am, am I more dominant on my front foot when my foot in the back is elevated or do I have more of that central kind of right over the midline 
uh, control and stability. It's like, you know, where's my center of gravity? Where's my weight being dispersed? And how am I controlling that, that activation as I press up from the lunge or even down? You know, the eccentric is just as important as the concentric because with the eccentric, we're going to see, we're going to reduce tendinopathy. We're going to, we're not going to have as many injuries. We may not have as much DOMS. Um, it, it really is just, you're stretching that connective tissue and you're allowing the body to expand and move in a plane of motion that it previously had restrictions. So ease into it. Don't fight it. You don't have to force it. The body will release over time. And the Cossack squat, for instance, I've been working on the Cossack squat, which is a lateral, it's like a lateral lunge with a squat incorporated where you lunge, try to touch your butt to the ground and then come back up. It's really difficult. Uh, I trained for probably three to four months before I was really getting anywhere close to for it to look kind of right. It, it didn't, it didn't really, uh, it, it was, it was difficult for me to, to figure that one out. And I, then I got injured and then the process started over, but that lateral lunge is something that I incorporated from, you know, my compass lunges. When I would step out to the side, I realized that I didn't have a lot of strength or stability in that range of motion. So I needed to train that to make sure that I, I had proper strength, which then showed up on the table with me adjusting, I would, I would be able to sidestep and still have the strength and control I needed and perhaps maybe a more awkward lunge position. So definitely train that, uh, compass lunges, elevate the foot. Those are the big ways to train that lunge and make it, make it really a lot better and a lot more hard. So, uh, play with that, see what you think. And then as we continue this conversation, we're going to hear from our amazing sponsors that allow this podcast to be available to you guys. HealthPair is the number one choice for owner-operated practitioners like you to source, screen, and place candidates for your office. Let our world-class team assist you along your hiring journey. Book an intro call with us so we can learn more about your recruiting needs, how and if we can assist you, and give you the best next steps to take in order to fill your positions as soon as possible. We place all positions, from doctors to office managers to techs, assistants, and everyone in between. HealthPair has you covered. Head to healthpair.io to book your intro call with us and mention this podcast ad to receive an additional 10% off your first month. That's healthpair.io. And we are back, season 17, episode 10. We're talking about movement. So far, we've went over the, the first three of the big six. We went over the hip hinge. We went over the squat and the lunge. We talked about how to be able to activate and train a couple of those. A founder's pose is a phenomenal way to train the hinge. If you want to make it a little harder, you can add a band front or back pulling you both directions. I recommend playing with it, trying it, even maybe sideways. Um, you know, it, it really is just time under tension and train the body and how we're going to use it. Uh, then we moved into the squat, different ways to train the squat. You know, the hinge is a uh, beginning to the squat. So we hinge, we squat, and then next is the lunge. Lunge is going to be one of my favorites because it activates, you know, almost every muscle in the lower extremity and the core and the pelvic bowl, allowing it to be able to to go through different ranges of motion and get activated, which is so, so, so crucially important, especially if you sit a lot. We're going to open up those hamstrings, those glutes, the piriformis, the, the obturators, and just get everything turned on that 
you know, doesn't need, doesn't necessarily get access uh, through just standard traditional training. So next, we're moving into the last three. So that's that push. Number four is push. So a vertical push, uh, not a military press. So military press behind the head is going to cause uh, structural stability issues based on the shoulder. It's not meant to move like that. Uh, if you do do that, do not ever go below 90 degrees. Because if you go below 90 degrees, you're going to start stressing the, the tendons and the ligaments in the shoulder. They're just not meant to move like that. Um, but in front of the body, in that front rack position, as we're coming down, we're bringing the arms down the idea is to have that rotation in the shoulders so we can stabilize the weight this is uh, a lot of people get stuck at that the sticky point as they try to press the bar and it gets about eye level and they can't get it any further uh, i would suggest working eccentrics so some negatives or even some just nice slow controlled three to five seconds down with some lighter controllable weight the idea is to not hurt yourself when you're pressing weight overhead, it's one of the most structurally compromising positions to put weight over your head. Uh, I've been doing a lot of kettlebells and a lot of Turkish get-ups and getting weight overhead right now. I'm, I'm working on being able to do a horn hold uh, with a kettlebell 70 pounds and above over my head and walk around with it comfortably because I'm looking at loading myself. But we'll talk about carrying here in a minute. So that push, how do we push something overhead? We do not want to push it out 90 degrees away from the shoulder. We want the shoulder to be more in front of the body so it's more of that front rack, front carry position. We're gonna have more structurally, uh, more structural strength here. So as we're able to load and press out of that position, that's gonna allow us to have more strength, stability, structure, and uh, the proper functional technique. If you go out to the side, you know, it's great to like work on those with some presses or something, but. I always like to stay neutral, 40, 30 to 45 degrees. And if I hit that 90, I'm not going heavy. I'm really just looking just to stress the muscle and just get some activation, maybe some hypertrophy. Uh, for the press, take your time with this. Uh, it's typically one of the most um, compromised movements for most people is that press overhead. Make sure you're engaging your core. You're not dumping your pelvis. Make sure you're pressing through the ground if you're seated. There's, there's so many little nuances that come along with it, but definitely train and, and just take care of the shoulders. The shoulders are a physiological joint. You know, the scapula is not attached bone to bone. So it's, it's just a bunch of tissue holding that scapula in place and that shoulders connected to that uh, scapula. So it's, it's not exactly a stable joint. So you have to train it and prepare it for being loaded. If not, you're going to, end up hurting one of your rotator cuffs or the, the cavity itself. So be careful training those shoulders. Make sure you, uh, if you're doing shoulder day, I always spend time working and training and getting my rotator cuffs prepared for the movement. And then I do lightweight and I work my way up. I want to neurologically train the movement before I incorporate the movement with heavy loaded weight. So play with that. Let me know in the comments what you think. Next we have the pull. So a couple ways to do this. Most people do this uh, just standing and they pull the weight up. There's so many ways that you can create variations of this. I personally like the bent over row. Uh, that allows me to change my grip, supinated and pronated, which allows me to activate different parts of the muscles and the arms and the shoulders. So uh, being, being in that hinge state, if you're gonna do a bent over row, you wanna hinge first and then 
find the activation points that you're looking for. A lot of people just grab weight, bend over and start rowing. Well, the idea is we want to load the weight properly where we want it to go. Are we, are we training the lats? Are we training the um, carries? Are we training the rhomboids? Are we training the traps? You know, we have to identify what we're training and why we're training. If you're doing a row, you're probably hitting back. So you're probably hitting the lats or one of the congruent synergistic muscles that are connected. So when you're doing this, I always recommend training uh, different ranges of motion. So I, I like neutrals. So I'm pulling the weight, it's neutral to my body. So it's, it's basically adjacent to myself. And then uh, I like to kick it out to 30, 45 degrees. That's a great place to hit those lats, make them bigger. And then uh, sometimes I will hit that 90 where the, the weight is 90 degrees it's, um, to me. So I'm pulling it in that. There's so many ways to do this folks. Just train the muscle for response. The idea is functionally, we are training the body to be able to perform. We want it to be able to do a job. So train it to do that job. Aesthetics are great, but functionality is gonna take you so much further than aesthetics. Uh, if you're doing the pull, a big suggestion, do drop sets. You're gonna hit the big weight and then you're gonna drop, drop the weight and you're gonna hit a smaller weight. And the reason you wanna do this is it's gonna develop that muscle a lot faster. It's gonna get it blown up. It's gonna get it nice and full of blood. You're gonna start creating that stress in the, in the muscle, growing the muscle, but ultimately uh, allowing you to be able to just activate the muscles how you need to. And that's the big thing is you just want, you want the activation. So that eccentric, concentric activation is so important. So nice and controlled. Don't be rushing the sets. Uh, if the weight's too heavy, drop weight. Don't ego lift. It's, it's great to lift heavy, but it's also great to lift lighter and be safe at the same time. Next. And finally, we are talking about the carry. So what does that mean? That means being able to load weight on your body and move in time and space. There's so many different ways to carry weight. You can put a rucksack on. You can put a backpack with a bunch of uh, books in it and go to class. That's a carry. You're you're loading your body more than your body weight is. So if you want to put a plate carrier or a weight vest on and go for a walk, then that's going to be a carry. You're, you're teaching your body to move with more weight on it, which creates more dense muscle, time under tension. It's going to cause the body to respond and get used to carrying that load. So then you're going to be able to be faster. You're going to be able to have better agility. You're going to have better response time because your body's it's learning how to respond and adapt to more stress. Now, a couple ways you can, you can train the carry farmers carry is always going to be a great way to, to train. Uh, if you do the farmers carry, you do not want to round your back. You want to lift with a straight spine, keep the shoulders, the rhomboids and the traps engaged the entire time you're underweight. If you feel that you're losing that, uh, that structure and that strength there in your upper back, whenever you're doing the farmer's carry, just drop the weight. It's okay. Like you don't want to hurt yourself. You don't ever want to go from a globally flexed to a straight spine or a straight spine to a globally flexed spine in the middle of a weight load. Uh, that's a strongman thing. I learned if you start globally flexed, stay globally flexed. If you start with a straight spine doing linear motion, like a back squat or a front squat, stay with a, a, uh, a flat spine. You want to have a straight spine in those, those instances. Because if you train 
and a mixture, you're going to start compressing discs and start compressing nerves. And that's how you're going to end up getting injured. And it's the last thing we want whenever we're training, trying to be able to be the best versions of ourselves. So back to that carry, uh, we can do farmer's carry. We can do front rack carry. We can do overhead carry. We can do uh, behind the back with like a bag or something over your shoulders. You can put like a backpack or a rucksack on. You can put a plate carrier or weight vest on. You can put things around your waist. You can put them around your ankles. As long as you're loading the body and using weight to be carried, you're going to increase the strength and structure of your body because it's, it's demand and supply. Principle 33, we're, we're really just adapting the body to understand that it can handle more stress. So we're going to go back over those six different uh, basic movements real quick. It is the hinge, the squat, the lunge, push, pull, and carry. Add these six different uh, functional movements into your daily training and I guarantee that you will see results. I guarantee you will see uh, just progression in areas that you may have not had in a while and, and be willing to play, you know, train your connective tissue, not just your muscle tissue. Understand where you have limitations of movement in, in your joints. If your elbow does not extend all the way, then perhaps spend some time doing some body weight movements and getting that elbow to get loose and break loose. And so you have full range of motion control. So if that way you need to do a handstand or a push up, or maybe like, um, get a weight overhead, you're not going to injure yourself because you have compromise in the system. So time under tension is a big, uh, big way I like to train. It's just going to be load the body and just keep it loaded. And the longer you can keep it loaded, the longer the duration of the load and the stress you're applying to the system. So if you grab a kettlebell and you put a timer for 15 minutes and you don't put the bell down for 15 minutes, time under tension, you keep the load going, you keep swings, you incorporate different types of movements into that. So you keep the consistent action going. Rest periods, you can find rest periods. I like the carry positions uh, for my rest periods. That could be a front rack, that could be uh, an overhead. So play with it find what works for you find what, what you need to train to be able to really take your training to the next level because all of it shows up at the table as a chiropractor even a chiropractic student how you train it really matters because you're going to show up and if you're just a giant meathead like i love going to the gym and working out i'm definitely considered a meathead i love to work out but i also know that big thick dense muscle that is not mobile does not allow me to have good mobility or uh, be able to be as functionally capable as I need to be whenever I'm on the table. So think about how you move around the table. If you if you haven't videoed yourself, take a video of you adjusting a patient and just go through the motions, see how many times you step to the left, how many times you step to the right, how many small steps you take. Look at those little nuances and then Think about how you can create uh, more efficient patterns around the table and then train those patterns in your, your gym time or your daily training that allows you to show up more consistent and more efficient. And that's really what it is because longevity is the name of the game in chiropractic. If you're at a high volume office and you're adjusting a lot of people, you need to be able to take care of yourself 
so that you can take care of folks. That's just the honest truth. Um, having been injured in a high volume practice, uh, I can tell you it's not fun to be injured and still have to adjust 60 to 100 people a day. Um, it's just not, it's not ideal. So train yourself properly so that you do not get injured in, so that way you can show up. Uh, other than that, folks, we're going to drop off there. I hope that this information has been uh, just impactful. I hope that you take away the six basic movements. You incorporate them into your daily life and your daily movement patterns. And if you have any questions, please reach out, like, comment, share. Uh, we drop an episode every week. But until next time, we will see you then. Light and love, folks.